What is going on everyone? It is Mason Pierce here, host of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And I want to let y'all know about a little secret, and it's called Anchor by Spotify. It is one of the new and easiest ways to make your own podcast with everything you need all in one single place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the comfort of your phone or computer. And also, when you are hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whatever platform you choose to post it on. It's everything you need to make a podcast in just one single place. And the best part of all, Anchor is totally free to use. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Get started creating your own podcast or start hosting on a very up-and-coming new platform. Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to episode 57 of the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, before we do begin today's episode, I do want to first acknowledge the absolutely horrible tragedy that did occur on Monday involving former TCU standout cornerback Jeff Gladney. Now, in case you haven't heard, Jeff Gladney and his girlfriend, Andrea, were traveling down in Dallas You know, early morning. I think it was around 2 o'clock in the morning in downtown Dallas. And unfortunately... They were, I guess, the vehicle that that Jeff was driving, as well as his girlfriend being the passenger in, it was speeding and apparently clipped a second vehicle from behind on a service road of a Dallas freeway. The speeding vehicle, it lost control and it struck a pier beam just before 2.30 a.m. Monday, overturning into a grassy area. Now, all of this is according to Pro Football Talk, and it's just a really sad event that occurred because in case you don't know who Jeff Gladney was, Jeff Gladney was an all-Big 12 cornerback coming out of TCU. He was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. I think it was 31st overall back in 2020. Now, unfortunately, he was released last year due to some accusations of domestic violence. Now, we're not here to talk about this, as we've probably already talked about it before in an earlier episode, but these cases would be dropped. And the Arizona Cardinals actually, about a month and a half, two months ago, signed Jeff Gladney to a two-year, $6 million deal. So he was finally getting his life back in control. He was I remember seeing him literally a month ago at TCU spring practices, the first time I ever met Jeff. And, I mean, he was full of life. He was energetic. He was really down-to-earth and, in my opinion, a very humble person considering the current position he was in. And, I mean, he absolutely – we just had a full-blown conversation about life. My girlfriend even did get to play with his little his little son for a little bit. And it was just really cool being able to meet a guy that I idolized growing up because I still remember the first time I ever watched Jeff – play at TCU and it was actually back in 2017 it was 2017 we were playing in Lubbock against the Red Raiders and I remember it was Texas Tech was pretty much on our goal line they're about to score a touchdown and then Nick Nick something I forgot his last name but he was a quarterback for the Red Raiders at the time he threw a pass out to Jeff Gladney Jeff Gladney absolutely picked it off ran the whole way down to the touchdown, dropped the ball right at the one-yard line pretty much right before he almost scored a touchdown, picked it back up anyway. He still got the pick six, but it was just really cool because from that point on, I knew, hey, this kid was going to be an absolute stud for us, and he was going to end up making the NFL, and that's exactly what he did. Now, once again, my prayers and thoughts go all out to the Gladney family, all the current and former TCU players that did play with Jeff. I mean, it just truly is sad to lose just a human being because at the end of the day, he was a great football player on and off the field, but I mean, we all have to remember he was a human being, and currently his son did lose him, and it's just truly, it's truly tragic because I did not expect to wake up on Monday to the news that a guy that I absolutely loved watching in college and even in the NFL would tragically get his life taken away. Now, I hope a lot of us can learn from these mistakes with driving fast, speeding, and whatever you might have it, because 
once again, we don't need to be doing this. We've seen this happen too many times in this past year. So, I mean, please, if just for some reason, don't do it because we've lost too many amazing human beings to speeding or drunk driving. And we don't know yet if he was drunk. I... I really hope he wasn't. We don't know the full details yet of the accident yet. The autopsy hasn't come out. But as far as we do know right now, Jeff and his girlfriend were killed in the accident that happened early Monday morning in Dallas. So rest in peace, Jeff. Thank you for all the memories you gave us, TCU fans, Viking, whoever it might have been. Thank you for all the things you did on and off the field. We truly will never let your legacy be forgotten at all. And I'm so thankful for the conversations I actually was able to have with Jeff while he was still here with us. But I know, once again, he is not hurting. He's not in pain. And he's in a, in a wonderful place right now. So, Jeff, once again, rest in peace, man. I hope, obviously, you're balling up there in heaven. Just thank you once again for all you've done. And just know that we'll forever have Kingston. And just, once again, rest easy, Jeff. Now, anyway, guys, let's also, let's begin today's episode. Let's kind of lighten up the mood a little bit. And let's start today's college football segment. Now, we do have not too much news to report on today in the college football side. But the two news that we do have is actually some pretty entertaining and pretty intriguing news. Now, the first news is regarding four-star safety Cody DeCombra, who currently is playing at Bishop Gorman High School in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, Cody, apparently, his finals for the schools that he was going to commit commit for were involving Pac-12 rivals to the current school that he just committed to, Oregon State and Washington. Now, Cody did announce on Monday that he would be joining the Oregon Ducks, and it's real. I mean, I know I said it like 1,400 times in the past couple episodes, but what Dan Lanning is doing in his first year at Oregon recruiting-wise is absolutely incredible. The complete 360 he's giving this program is something that I, you know, that's why all these kids are coming to Oregon because they believe in what Dan Lanning is telling them. Now, with this commitment, it pushes Oregon just outside of the top 15 for the 2023 recruiting rankings. And recently, four of Oregon's six commitments just joined in the month of May, which included two, top, which included top 200 receivers, Jurian Dickey and Ashton Cozart, with Ashton Cozart formerly being an Oklahoma wide receiver commit. And we'll actually get into another former Oklahoma wide receiver commit right now as we will be discussing DeAndre Moore, who had originally committed to Oklahoma but decided to enter back his um, recruitment due to the fact that Coach Riley went to USC and kind of the whole change of coaching staffs and everything like that. They would be transitioning over to USC, and that was just not the school he wanted to go to. Even though he is from the California area, he did decide, you know, hey, I need to look at my options before I really do make a final decision and just make the last-minute choice to just go over there. Anyways, DeAndre, he actually decided to make his commitment on Tuesday, and he announced that he will be signing with, drumroll please, that was that was a horrible drum roll. But anyway, if you couldn't hear it in the back, I tried to do a drum roll with my fingers. But anyway, DeAndre Moore, he will be signing with Louisville. Now, Louisville is having an historic recruiting class for the 2023 cycle. I mean, currently their class right now is ranked as the number sixth ranked class in the whole country and the number one ranked class in the ACC over rival Clemson, which is kind of shocking to think about because you would normally assume Clemson would have the number one recruiting class in the ACC as obviously they've dominated that conference for years and years now. But it's looking like Louisville is finally stepping up their recruiting game and they go out and get a top 50 wide top 50 player in the whole 2023 cycle in DeAndre Moore. Now, DeAndre Moore actually made some school history for the Cardinals as he is officially rated the highest rated Louisville commit 
since the ESPN 300 era, which actually began back in 2006. And some notable wide receivers that did come out of Louisville are guys like Devontae Parker, who are currently playing for the New England Patriots. You've got Tutu Atwell, who's currently with the Los Angeles Rams. And then you also have got Des Fitzpatrick, who was drafted by the Tennessee Titans in the same draft as Tutu Atwell. So, you know, Louisville, they do produce some pretty decent wide receivers. And I was actually kind of shocked DeAndre did decide to go to Louisville because he was also looking at schools like UC, USC, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Georgia, which those are some pretty big-name schools. And, and, and earlier when I said that he didn't want to go to USC, it's not necessarily he didn't want to go to USC, but he probably knew the fact that they were going to be highly recruiting a lot of other kids and the fact he really wouldn't get the chance that he probably deserved at USC, which is probably what kind of drove him away from just transfer just from recommitting to USC with, you know, which some recruits did to follow Lincoln Riley over to Southern California. But anyway, Andre said that the reason why he did go to Louisville was not because of just simply, oh, championships or this and that. He felt like it had a family atmosphere in the program. And he even went on to say that on one of his two visits to Louisville, their current offensive coordinator, Vince Taylor, actually went bowling with DeAndre. And he actually brought um, Coach Taylor. He actually brought his wife, his wife whose name is Jamie, and their two kids. And he even went on to say that head coach Scott Satterfield's wife, Beth, she knew everything about Moore and his family when they actually went and met her. So, And then he also was quoted saying, A lot of people try and sell you on family, but Louisville is exactly that. I'm a people person. I react off of other people's energy and how you treat me. From the jump, it was great energy. And quote. So obviously, DeAndre Moore really chose Louisville because he felt right at home. And I don't blame him. That's something you want to have when you're, you know, especially when you're going halfway across the country, or not halfway, when you're going all the way across the country from the West to East Coast, you're going to want to feel like you're at home. And he felt that with Louisville. Now, also, this commitment could mean a lot more commitments to head to Louisville, and here's exactly why. Now, Moore would also go on to say in that same interview that he's going to start recruiting very hard for Louisville and is quote-unquote coming after Reuben Owens, who is currently a top 30 tailback from Texas. And he also will be trying to go after Kyle Parker, who is a wide receiver from Texas, which who also has a very, and I mean very stacked, offer, offer list from pretty much every school in the country. Now, DeAndre Moore would go, also go on to say that Pierce, which he's referring to Pierce Clarkson, who is a 2023 ESPN 300 commit for the Louisville Cardinals, who's coming out of St. John Bosco High School, which is also out of Southern California and is really a powerhouse in the high school football landscape. So as you can tell, Louisville, they're really you know recruiting the West Coast very hard, and I don't blame them. Obviously, that's where you're going to want to get most of these kids. But anyway, he went on to say that Pierce started it off. We're continuing to build something, especially with the California talent. I'm going to do my fair share of recruiting as well. Me and Pierce are going to be a tag team recruiting duo. So it looks like Louisville will have some extra scouts during the 2023 season, you know, trying to get all these kids from the West Coast, most specifically to head over to the East Coast and join them in Louisville, which I don't blame them. ACC is not a predominantly strong conference. And obviously, besides Clemson, there's no one else really contending right now. You could say NC State because they have built something very special. They are one of the more underrated programs in the country. But I don't think they're anything better than a 10-2 and two team. And that's still very good. Don't get me wrong. NC State has always been a very solid program. But I do think that the ACC is still kind of wide open. Clemson obviously will dominate it. But I do think if Louisville can continue to recruit this well the next couple years, we might see kind of a reemergence of the Louisville Cardinals. But anyway, guys... 
that is it for the high school recruitment side of today's episode. But let's actually talk about one final topic, and that is going to be involved the SEC. Now, the SEC, in case you don't know, they officially announced last summer that schools, University of Texas and Oklahoma, both of those schools will be joining the SEC in 2025, obviously when both of those schools, their respective contracts with the Big 12 expire, so they would be able to be eligible to sign with the SEC. And it kind of brought up a big question. How are they going to do like the conference divisions? Are they going to make it pods where it's four teams in each pod, which would probably end up being A&M, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, or LSU? We didn't really know. And it was kind of rumored for the longest time that we could possibly see this pod-type schedule. Now, it was actually reported on Tuesday that the SEC is not moving forward with the pod system. They will keep it as divisions west and east. And it does make sense, but it also doesn't at the same time because now you're going to have to probably play about eight to nine conference games a year or possibly nine to ten. But, I was do- but as I was doing research for today's episode, I came across a website called called, ugh, sorry guys, it's called goodbullhunting.com and they were kind of asking the question, what scheduling format would you prefer in a 16-team SEC league? Now, the, they, now, they introduced a system that would be a 3-6-6 format. And now, in case you're wondering, what would it, what is a 3-6-6 format? Well, the three would be the three teams that you would play every single year in a conference. So, for Texas A&M, it would probably be Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas. And then the six would be pretty much either six a mix of six opponents from the SEC West or a mix of six opponents from the SEC East, which is where you get the 3-6-6, which does make sense because... You're not having to do pods, and also it, it, it'll also help the conference championship because you also have to remember how would it work if you did, t- uh, you know, uh, four-team pods pretty much in the SEC because then you're, you're not going to have an outright winner of a certain division. Now, we did see the Pac-12 get rid of um, d- the divisions, which didn't make sense. They didn't really need it. They kind of already have established who are the better teams in the Pac-12 which is Oregon, USC, Washington, when they're actually, you know, not going four and eight. But they don't really need divisions as much. But with the SEC, it's going to be a lot harder having 14 pods and kind of having to decipher, hey, who had a stronger schedule or who had a weaker schedule. And it would just make everything 10 times harder than it need to be. So I think this whole 366 idea would actually be pretty smart for the SEC to do when Texas and OU join. Now, currently, right now as it is, Texas and OU will probably not even join the conference till 2025. It's not looking like they're going to want to buy their way out. But with the Big 12 adding Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, and Houston in the 2023 year, it will make things a little bit complicated in the Big 12. So that does beg the question, could we possibly see Texas and OU just fed over the money, which obviously they can afford, but do we think they will actually give over that money to join the SEC a little bit earlier? And now that is it for today's college football segment, guys. Like I said, there's not too much to report on. It, it is still a very dry part of the year, but hopefully in the coming months we will be getting a lot more news. I still think it is very interesting the fact that Louisville is starting to become a very dominant recruiting school. I mean, we've seen a lot of schools emerge, most specifically Ole Miss in the transfer portal and obviously USC. They've kind of reemerged themselves. But no one really thought of Louisville because no one's really talking about the fact that Louisville has a top 10 recruiting class in the, in the 2023 cycle. So we'll continue to monitor the fact that the Cardinals, 
might be a sneaky good team in the coming years. But anyway, guys, let's transition over to today's NFL news. And the first news that I do want to talk about is regarding Pro Bowl defensive tackle Akeem Hicks. Now, Akeem Hicks, who just got done playing six seasons with the Chicago Bears, was pretty much known for being one of the better run stoppers throughout the whole NFL. Now, Akeem, he made the Pro Bowl back in 2018 and was a key member of the that, that exact Bears defense that led Chicago to the playoffs, ultimately losing in the double doink game against the Philadelphia Eagles. I know Bears fans, that still haunts y'all to this day. But anyways, in 16 games during that season back in 2018, Akeem Hicks totaled 7.5 sacks, 12 tackles for loss, and 16 quarterback hits while playing the nose tackle position. So obviously, he was very, very dominant. And throughout his first 10 seasons in the NFL, he's recorded 40.5 sacks, 387 tackles, and 6 forced fumbles, which is a very dominant stat line for a guy that is most predominantly known for kind of just eating up space. But anyway... On Tuesday, Akeem, Akeem Hicks actually announced where, he, where his, the next team that he will be joining after him and the Chicago Bears did not agree on a new uh, contract. Akeem Hicks and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have agreed on a one-year $10 million deal, which I think is an amazing price for the Bucks and an amazing price for Akeem because he's still getting paid $10 million. And, I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers continue to bolster up a defensive line that is already very elite. They've already got Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaquille Barrett on opposite sides of the line. And now you get one of the better defensive tackles in the whole league in Akeem Hicks on only a $10 million deal. Now, Akeem Hicks, you know, signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers likely means the fact that defensive tackle Ndamukong Sue, who's been very dominant for the Bucs these past couple years, he will not be re-signing with the Bucs as he is currently a free agent. And it looks like, obviously, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers decided to go in a different direction. Now, Sue, he is, like I said, he's an unrestricted free agent, so he will be signing with another team. He's already been kind of visiting with a couple others, I think, reportedly the Dolphins I think we're also looking at him too which he did play with the Dolphins back in I want to say 2015 2016 for a season before he went off and and signed with the uh, Rams but anyway a huge key free agent that was still available has finally found his home despite having a very rough 2021 season due to injury issues I still think he'll be very dominant with the Tampa Bay Bucks come this year and we could possibly still see the Buccaneers contend for a Super Bowl. Obviously, Tom Brady coming back is a huge part of it and why a lot of players were still staying with the Buccaneers and why they didn't leave. And I've kind of been joking with a lot of my friends and family. I'm like, the Tom Brady effect is a real thing. I mean, we saw the Buccaneers, obviously, they won a Super Bowl their first year with Tom Brady as the starting quarterback. They did, I mean, they went to the divisional round in the NFL playoffs last season. You know, they lost two the future Super Bowl winning Los Angeles Rams and what was a very interesting game. The defensive had a lot of moments where they choked. Offense wasn't the greatest, but they still are a Super Bowl contending team. And I would still expect the same this year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the next news we have is actually regarding Fox Sports. Now, Fox Sports has been going through a very interesting offseason themselves, to say the least, with their number one I guess you say broadcasting crew and Joe Buck and Troy Aikman both leaving to join ESPN's Monday Night Football staff, which kind of left the gate open for who would replace the role of Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Well, Fox actually announced on Tuesday that Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart would be taking over that number one role and will be, you know, fulfilling the games that Troy Aikman and Joe Buck normally would. And I personally like this. The few games that I have listened to Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart host. They've been very good. Most predominant. I mean, most 
it's mostly due to the fact that they mostly host games in my region down in Texas, so I'm, you know, being able to listen to them a lot, but they are very, very, you know, entertaining to listen to compared to Joe Buck, who sometimes kind of has like a monotone voice, and you're kind of like almost falling asleep in, in a way, but anyways, Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt, right, as of right now, will be the number one um, partner, partner, duo, whatever you want to call it, for Fox Sports until Tom Brady, who once he retires, will be joining Fox Sports in their number one booth after he signed a historic 10-year, $375 million deal to join Kevin Burkhart. So, Greg Olson, as of right now, will be holding that same role that will eventually be Tom Brady's, but I still think Greg Olson will have a fantastic future in this industry because, once again, He's very interesting to listen to, and he knows exactly what he's talking about considering the fact he played multiple years in the NFL. Now, anyway, guys, for our final topic of today's NFL segment, it will be involving current Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. Now, Deshaun Watson, despite being traded from the Houston, Texas to the Cleveland Browns during this year's offseason, he still is in some trouble himself due to off-the-field accusations of sexual misconduct during massage massage sessions. Ugh. See, guys, it's so hard to say S's sometimes. I mean, it's just, I just can't say it properly. But anyway, he's currently being accused of sexual misconduct during massage sessions back in 2020. Now, in case you don't really know, a lot of them that were civil have already been dismissed. So that was a good sign for Deshaun Watson and in his party. But actually, on Tuesday, Deshaun Watson has been sued again. Another woman has filed a lawsuit that states he had three encounters with Deshaun Watson. And reportedly, which is what she says in the lawsuit, every single encounter progressively got worse. Now, I'm not going to go into details about it. Obviously, it's horrible the things that happened. If you really want to you know, find out what happened, just go look it up because obviously it's not a good situation. But... This whole situation to me has been so confusing because we don't know the complete facts or just what's accusations or yada, yada, yada. I mean, I think Deshaun Watson had to have done something because there's no way 23 women and not one single one of them he didn't do something to because there's no chance that all of this just randomly. And I mean, it was it was weird the timing when it happened about a year ago when he was wanting to get traded from the Houston Texans due to poor management in the front office of the Texans, which it was. But it also was weird the fact that all of a sudden 22 women came out right as he was wanting to get traded and the fact that it was rumored, but it was later proven false, but that the lawyer that was defending all the um, women apparently live right next door to the owner of the Houston Texans. But anyway, besides that fact, Deshaun Watson currently still finds himself in even more trouble as the 23 third apparent lawsuit is being placed on him on Tuesday so it's going to be really interesting to see what the NFL does with this obviously if all this is proven that's all sorry guys if all of this is still proven innocent that doesn't mean Deshaun Watson will not get suspended or anything like that the NFL will still if he does violate a certain policy of theirs they will suspend him for however long it states that they have to suspend him and, I mean, right as of right now, we could be looking possibly six-plus games. I don't think it'll be a whole season, especially if all of this, if, you know, is, is it legally false. Now, we don't know what happens behind the scenes, and unfortunately, we never will. But as of right now, we don't know the full story, so do not make any judgments yet. But anyway, currently right now, Deshaun Watson is being sued again, and has just got his 23rd lawsuit of alleged sexual misconduct on Tuesday. 
I hope this whole situation gets figured out, and obviously the right is done by the right, and the wrong obviously gets done by the wrong. It's just a really horrible situation if it is proven true. I mean, the fact that 23 people have come out against him is already worrisome enough, and the fact that it seems like it's only going to continue to go more and more and more, it will be really interesting to see what happens. But anyway, I'm not going to pick sides. Please make sure y'all don't pick any sides until we know the full, complete story. But anyway, guys, that is it for today's NFL segment. And let's get on to our final segment of today's, I guess you could say, just little episode. Because there's not too much to talk about. But the stuff we did have to talk about, in my opinion, was pretty interesting. But anyway, guys, let's talk about some NBA news. And most specifically, the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, the Los Angeles Lakers, who are coming off a very bad season. And I mean, very bad season. They, you know, they went out and acquired um, Russell Westbrook from the Washington Wizards last offseason, which they figured, hey, this might be a huge addition for us. You know, LeBron James raved about how much he wanted him on the Lakers and how much of a huge addition he would be. So they went out and did exactly that. Now, throughout the NBA season, Russell Westbrook just did not look like the Russell Westbrook of old. Obviously, due in fact that he, you know, is not going to be the ball dominant guard that he once was. You know, due to the fact that they currently have LeBron James and. You know, he's not going to be able to hold the ball the whole exact time. But even then, a lot of his shots ended up being air balls. A lot of his shots ended up hitting the side of the, you know, billboard. And it's just, it just was not looking good. And the fact that they still do owe him $47 million this next season, because Westbrook's obviously going to pick up his player option for this upcoming gear, was a really huge red flag for a lot of teams anyway, because no one's going to want to pay a guy almost $50 million for him to absolutely just stench and not even be able to hit anything unless it's right under the net but anyway the Lakers have announced that they are actually planning on keeping Russell Westbrook unless they're obviously offered some ungodly amount of trade you know trade revenue or anything like that to acquire Russell from them but I don't blame him Russell Westbrook I think if he does figure out a way to I guess you say dominate in his new role obviously he is not you know the number one guard anymore he's not the number one ball handler because LeBron James is exactly that. That's why the Lakers went out and got him a couple years ago. But anyway, it will be interesting to see how the Lakers kind of bounce back next year. They went out and got Milwaukee Bucks assistant Darvin Ham, who I think will be absolutely fantastic. The players are already loving him, so it's going to be, probably in my opinion, it will be a very good pickup for the Lakers. And I do think them keeping Russell Westbrook does still show Russell Westbrook, hey, we do have faith in you. We're not going to trade you. We're not going to do what every single reporter was telling you that we're going to do to you. We want you to succeed, and obviously the whole team wants you to succeed. To succeed, That's why we brought you to you know from Washington to here because we do believe that you offer us something and something that could possibly lead us to a championship. But anyway, guys, that is it for the NBA news. And let's actually get into some Stanley Cup playoff news. Now, the Stanley Cup playoffs, they're currently right now in the conference finals, and we finally got our final matchup announced, and that will be between the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are back, who are defending back-to-back champions of the Stanley Cup. And for the Western matchup, we have the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Colorado Avalanche, who have absolutely dominated throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, in case any of your teams are still in the Stanley Cup playoffs, whether that's the Oilers, Avalanche, the Lightning, or the Rangers, let me know. Whether it's on the Instagram or the TikTok of the Cover Sound of the Mason Pierce podcast, let me know about your team and let me know how excited you are to, you know, hopefully for them to move on to the Stanley Cup Finals. 
Anyway, guys, I hope y'all really did enjoy today's episode. Obviously, before I do let y'all go, once again, I just want to also, you know, just state again, rest in peace, Jeff. Thank you for everything, once again, that you've done on and off the field for TCU. And it is truly a tragedy that you did, that we did lose you so young. Anyway, guys, if you really feel like supporting the podcast, you really feel like kind of stepping up the support a notch, I definitely suggest checking out Anchor.com's uh, monthly supporter system, which it only costs $4.99 a month, but it helps me better the quality and eventually give give you all some exclusive perks as you know the prime supporters of the podcast. I don't expect you all to do it at all. I mean, if all you all can simply do is give me a like, a rating, or just anything, a share, whatever it might be, that is so truly appreciated by me. And once again, guys, you all are the best community I could have ever asked for. And I'm so thankful to be in the position I am right now today, being able to give you all these episodes three days a week. But anyway, guys, I hope you'll have a fantastic Wednesday. I hope you have a fantastic Thursday. Make sure to watch some of that playoff hockey. I'm telling you, that is some of the best playoff games you will ever watch. And I genuinely mean that. But anyway, guys, I hope you have a fantastic mid of y'all week. And I will see y'all back here on Friday. Peace.